From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Or the choice is between crazy and crazy, cray cray. Who knows? Uh, it's Tuesday, the 9th of January. Yes, the 9th of January, 2024. Guess what? Tomorrow, birthday, TNT, two years old tomorrow. Can you, Adam and Eva? TNT was spawned on the 10th of January, 2022. So if we make it through the next 24 hours, we will be on the air, folks, for two whole years. Unreal. A lot of people have knocked TNT. A lot of people have said we wouldn't last. A lot of people have said we would fizzle out, but it hasn't happened. We just keep going and going and going. And all being well, we will continue to keep going and expanding and reaching more and more people and continuing to get the truth out there. The truth, not our truth, the truth, because there is only one truth, not variants of the truth. So that's what we've tried to do since Day one, lighting the fuse for freedom on TNT, today's news talk. So today's no different than any other day. We'll have to keep marching merrily on. I'm joined this morning by the wonderful Natalie Chiel. And of course, Gemma Cooper will be hopping on uh, to give us a news story uh, imminently. Also during this hour, we have scheduled Alfie Best to come on. Uh, he is also known as the Gypsy Billionaire. I believe he's on site somewhere uh, doing some business this morning, but we're hoping to to be joined by him at around about 20 past. Then John Porter will be hopping in at around half past nine. He is an ex-policeman, uh, former university manager, IT professional. We're going to be chewing the fat with him. And then in the final uh, segment of the show, we will be talking to Blake Lovewell about finance. And if that wasn't enough, we're also opening the phone lines. This is the open line show. So please feel free during the course of the show. If anything is discussed that rattles your cage or ruffles your feathers or whatever way you want to describe it, you can give us a call here live. The numbers are on our website, tntradio.live. And feel free to lift the phone and comment on what we have been talking about or stuff that you want to get off your chest because that's the purpose of the show. It's an open line show to give you an opportunity to speak. So the last 10 minutes or so of this hour, the lines will be open, so please feel free to give us a shout. Uh, just before, Natalie, we get uh, Gem on here. There's a lady, you maybe don't know who she is, called Lucy, uh, sorry, Nancy Crampton. She wrote a book in 2022 called How to Murder Your Husband, and then she was subsequently jailed for life for murdering her husband. Do you think you should be picking up a copy of that book or should you leave that one well alone? I, I haven't got a husband anymore. I murdered my mm. ex-husband. He's not no, dead, is he? That. No, no. I, I don't want to murder my ex-husband, of course check not. Check the patio. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I'm not married, so it doesn't, doesn't apply to me, Rick. Mm. Uh, might, oh. I might buy the book anyway, just for future reference, just in case, eh? Uh, that's what's called, I think, shooting yourself in the foot. But, you know, you write a book called How to Murder Your Husband and then you're convicted <laughs> of murdering your husband. I think, you know, that guy, Chris DeBerg, the singer Chris DeBerg, uh, he famously shot himself in the foot. He was having an affair behind his wife's back. His wife was uh, dark hair with dark eyes. And he wrote a song called Blonde Hair and Blue Jeans. And, of course, that uh, raised, <laughs> raised Mrs. DeBerg's suspicion somehow. And they ended up with a rather messy and costly divorce happening there. So, was the then, I wonder. <laughs> That's probably another one. Uh, the, the girl who was the girl with the blonde hair and the blue jeans was then asking, 
by the way, who's this lady in red? Because it's not your wife because <laughs> you're divorced for her and now you're with me. So it got very, very messy indeed. So there's a lesson in there, I think. Some people are very blasé in the statements they make, but they could be incriminating themselves, don't you think? So I'm not saying we shouldn't be open with our speech, but some people do wade in without engaging their brain. First, uh, Christa Berg's one in this lady. Uh, Nancy Crampton is another. So I think there's a, a salutary message here. Uh, think before you speak. Pause, even take a deep breath before you blurt stuff out because you could end up incriminating yourself or writing a book and then ending up in prison uh, for the very things that you advocated against. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, we have to be careful. We are live here. We're uncensored and unscripted. Mm. So we're we're putting ourselves out there, Rick, for trouble. We are. We are indeed. But we're, we, you know, we're, we're always careful uh, to bring the facts. And sometimes we have questions over our own heads. Is this is this one legit? Is this one real? And if we're not sure about it, uh, we pull it. And of course, we don't uh, make any unfounded allegations against anyone. And if we do, we always use the word allegedly, because there's a lot of uh, very rich lawyers out there probably waiting to jump on our little heads. So we're going to take a pause now and bring in the wonderful uh, Gemma Cooper. Please don't go away. Stay tuned here. This is TNT Today. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, I'm having a look here. We're going to do a little uh, editorial story here to do with food, okay? And uh, just before we do that, if I can uh, prefix that with something else that I saw this morning, I was going to uh, bring that up in my little intro, but I didn't get around to doing it. The Irish Independent has run a story called Ask the Doctor. Ask the Doctor. And it says, I'm almost in the obese category, okay? I'm not asking for your medical opinion in this. This is just a story. I'm almost in the obese category and can't lose weight. Despite all my efforts, uh, will my GP prescribe me the drug Ozempic? Ozempic. So we're going to start seeing people flooding the doctor's surgeries now. I know you like to keep abreast of health and fitness, uh, natural health, you know, mind health, etc. People are saying, I'm fat. I've tried. I can't lose weight. Give me a pill, doctor. Give me a pill. You know, I know some people do have metabolic issues and all that business. But in reality, uh, when someone says they've tried to lose weight, what does that actually mean? They've, they've dodged the, the bicky barrel for one day or or what? Yeah. Uh, you've, I think you've nailed it, actually. I think it is that um, you tried, you didn't see results straight away, you've given up. And that's how that's how the human brain works. You want instant results. That's the ego yeah. gratification, you know, dopamine and all of that. But the, that drug, I've done a bit of uh, research on that, and um, it's, it can cause suicidal thoughts. Um, of horror stories of, of of women that have gone on and men that have gone on that drug and and uh, one case study I read, um, she was literally walking through a train station and a voice just said, "You need to kill yourself." You know that's how those these things mess with you. And do you remember a few years ago or decades ago now the um, some of the malaria drugs when you were traveling because you've traveled quite extensively, haven't you, Rick, mm -hmm. in Africa? And mm -hmm. some I can't remember the name of the drug which was eventually pulled um, because it was causing suicidal depression. Um, mm -hmm. So you know you've got to be so careful with the with the mind and the and the body. And of course I think the body's telling you, look, if you want to lose weight, there is a magic formula. It's eat less, move more. That's Full it. stop. No pills. Yes. No pills are needed. So it's almost like your body's completely rejecting it. Your entire psyche, your emotional side of you is just saying, we don't need this in our system. But I mean, I won't go near that. I need, I need to lose some weight after my Christmas indulgences, which would, there have been many. Um, and uh, But there's no way I'll take a pill. I've just got to get out no. and do some more walking and hiking. And that's it. And it'll take me months. But I've signed up for months. That's it. I expect months. That's healthy. Um 
I'm getting there slowly, I, but surely. I've lost a stone. I've got a stone to go. And I just want to say, Skippy says in the online chat, there'll be a jab for Chubsters soon. Um, I think we've covered that already, Skippy. They have uh, got a jab coming out, uh, and that's not that same drug. That's a different one. And uh, the one you were talking about, is that Umspec or something? I can't even remember what it's called. Uzembic. Uh, yeah, yeah. That uh, celebrities I've seen, that's what, it's all the celebrity, the celebrity drug at the moment. I saw Christina Aguilera, and uh, she's lost a lot of weight, and all the comment section said, oh, she's on that drug she's lost so much weight too quickly so like you said Gemma it's the quick fix no one wants to do any work anymore just take a pill or take a jab I'm not a celebrity watcher I'm not a celebrity watcher but I've seen photographs recently of Sharon Osbourne which is Ozzy Osbourne's wife and let me tell you this she looks absolutely ghoulish right now she's had massive fast weight loss I don't know what it was whether it's a dad or she's had you know hers was gastric band Gastric, I was about to say gastric yeah. band, but whatever, she looks absolutely horrendous now because she's lost so much weight so, so quickly. So there's no harm in carrying a few pounds around, you know, having a little bit of padding there, especially during the winter months. You know, there's a cost of living crisis going on now. The fatter you are, the less you have to put your central heating on. So we we'll have to take positives <laughs> from being fat too, don't we, Jeff? <laughs> yeah i mean i would I, i'm a big advocate of wherever you are just you know love whatever shape you're in i mean i've put weight on right and um i don't get too personal about this but i've never really struggled with my weight in my life i've always been quite small uh, which is why you know in television they that they like men and women to be quite small acting they like men and women to be quite small it's what looks better on camera so i've never really worried about it now i've hit middle age oh my god the middle age spread who knew it's a real thing it, it comes on within literally half an hour of having a biscuit well not that i eat biscuits <laughs> but say a chocolate which i did over christmas or a mince pie it literally come you can see it the next day and it takes bloody weeks and months of toil yeah. to get off but i'm 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 only get really employing this uh, uh tactic to lose some weight because i cannot fit into any of my clothes now literally i'm in tracksuit bottoms the whole time and i refuse steadfastly to go and buy an entire new wardrobe of clothes when i've got some lovely clothes in my drawers and that's the reason yeah. but actually you know i quite like it so it's quite a nice thing i've actually got some boobs for the first time in my life, you know. <laughs> Me too. Who, who knew Me that? Too. <laughs> <laughs> Rick and his man and you, know, and you know what? You know what? Listen, the belt doesn't lie. So you can jump on those scales. You can go to those Weight Watchers classes. But you see when you pull those clothes on, they don't tell lies. They're the most brutally honest assessor of your weight that there is. I'll tell you a funny story. This is this is all di uh, digressing a little, but it's quite funny. Last night, I looked at, <laughs> I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, hey, I've got abs, and then I realized it was just one roll of fat sitting on top of the other. It wasn't It wasn't actually abs at all. I was very disappointed. How have I got abs after Christmas? It's no, no, I've just gained an extra roll of fat on top of the other one. So listen, you have to laugh too. We can't take ourselves yeah. too seriously, and we're not, you know, spray-painted, Photoshop pin-up uh, people. Those people don't exist in real life. And let me tell you this, people, if you do have people that you idolize and you look to as, you know, body perfect, if you saw them first thing in the morning or you saw them after a rough night out or you saw them after they hadn't been spray painted and photoshopped they're just people like everybody else so let's not get too caught up uh, in that but not taking away from uh, what we're supposed to be talking about here this morning Gemma a, a message or a, um, a story to do with nutrition funnily enough and the NHS what's this one about just to add to what we've been talking about, you know, like just just love yourselves. You know, that's 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 really don't be at war with yourself ever over anything. It's a complete waste of time. You know, society will do that to you. Don't do it to yourself. Self love, Gemma. My, we need some self love. We need more self love. 
self-love message of the day. Um, but yeah, it ties in quite nicely into nutrition, actually, because one of the things is um, in January, uh, everybody is encouraged to go vegan after the indulgences of Christmas. Um, we're mind controlled into thinking, right, we need to eat this and eat that. You know, I, I eat what you want is my message, but not so um, the NHS. And I'm bringing to this story to the table because it's only in the last few minutes, really the last 16 minutes, actually, that the longest ever piece of industrial action in the in the history of the NHS has just finished. And that is the junior doctor's strike. It finished at nine o'clock this morning. Um, so you would think that the focus of the NHS now, having, you know, to mop up the after effects of this industrial action, which is contributing to weight waiting list uh, increases once again, cancelled operations, people not getting diagnosed. It's a huge piece of industrial action. You'd think they'd be looking at the after effects of that. No, hospitals across the UK are handing out free meals to all staff and cooking classes to encourage that all their staff to go vegan in January, to do V-January. So uh, mm. the staff at the Royal Devon University NHS Trust and others, but this is the main one that's been quoted, has today said it will offer its 15,000 staff free meals, which our staff can do by participating in a lottery um, if they, they they go adopt a plant-based diet. There'll also be um, vegetable stalls and cookery classes running alongside this in lunch breaks and meal breaks. And of course, the bosses at the hospital are jumping up and down with glee at this initiative that they have launched saying, isn't it wonderful that all our staff have the uh, the opportunity in January to go on a plant-based diet? Uh, Veganuary is ostensibly an animal welfare charity, and I don't don't think anyone would disagree with the way factory farming treats animals it's it's not just cruel or inhumane it's downright satanic actually what goes on in factory farms but the other element of veganuary which is a non-profit group that launched this back in i think 2014 is that they are saying we need to stop eating animals because of climate change that's their other line which i think is the one that's peddled quite uh, significantly and that's the line that the hospital trusts are using so it's the royal devon university nhs trust um is the ones quoted but there's four other trusts around the UK that are also adopting this method of forcing almost their staff to eat vegan uh, through January. So it's tens of thousands, if not maybe 100,000 workers uh, being encouraged, shall we say, to adopt this. Now, the problem with it, of course, is if you don't, you know, our eyebrows raised because, you know, this is the, this is your lunch break, which you could argue is sacred. I mean, yeah, your bosses can tell you what to do in your shift times when you're on the paid clock. But should they be telling people what to do in their lunch break, which for most organizations is an unpaid hour in the day? You're not you're not paid for that one hour in your contract. Um, but, yeah, it's an example. I think we talked about this before Christmas. Natalie, you mentioned this. It's very much a steering the way of how to behave and how to act and what to do in certain months of the year, taking away kind of the decision making process from from yourself. You know, at Christmas, you must yeah. behave like this. You must eat and drink this. January, you must behave like this. You must eat and drink this. But what I found it astounding, given we've just literally come out of the longest piece of industrial action in the NHS history. And this is what NHS bosses are promoting. Doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I wonder, Gemma, if it's also to do with the fact we've covered this a lot on the show, that vegan food and their sales have gone down dramatically in the last year since the cost of living crisis. They're quite expensive and uh, people are just turning away from them. So I see it as a way of coercion, you know, like uh, you'll get free meals, but only if you go vegan. You know, it's it's the same kind of coercion they use to push the jabs. Um, and, you know, it, it worries me that, you know, they could possibly move forward and uh, try to do this with the general public as well. You know, here's here's some uh, stamps or some rations, but you can only put it towards vegan food, you know, if you're struggling. Uh, it, it, it's wrong for me. It's taken away freedom of choice uh, in its coercion, Rick. 
Mm. It is good as well uh, to have a starting point. You know, every change has to start somewhere. So, you know, January the 1st is always used as a, you know, making New Year's resolution in this case. Gem, it's uh, go vegan in January. But really what we need to be looking at doing is if we are trying to get fit and healthy, it's not a quick fix thing. It's not something that happens over the space of a few weeks or months. We should try and make just general changes to our lifestyle. And as you simplified it beautifully to uh, simply eat less, and move a little bit more. And generally speaking, as long as you're eating the right types of food, you're eating lots of protein, not eating processed sugars or anything like that, you're drinking plenty of water, your health will improve. It can't get any worse through clean living and clean eating and moving about more. I mean, no one's ever got sick from doing a little bit of extra exercise and eating a little cleaner, have they? No, absolutely not. Um, but it is freedom of choice. And uh, yeah. I think in big organizations like the NHS, which is a public, ostensibly still a publicly funded body, uh, taxpayer owned, is that, um, you know, it's a very uh, kind of cultist uh, organization. I came from the BBC, public funded, and there are certain ways of behaving and thinking within those organizations that you adopt unconsciously. And going against the grain is not one of them. So are you going to feel obliged because your manager says, look, free vegan meals? you know you think i don't really want that i want to have the fish and chips but i better not because my boss is like promoting it and that mm -hmm. element of coercion and brainwashing actually um yeah. and fear culture of fear and, and i think natalie's made an excellent point is this the start of something that could be rolled out into our into our society mm -hmm. if they deemed it necessary under the guise of climate change and health and really if you invert it it's anything but well, let's hope uh, they don't get those ideas because I don't think they'll have a huge uptake for the, the nation to go vegan. However, each to their own do as you please. But Gemma, we've got to call time on this one for now. You and I will talk again uh, during Locked and Loaded, but please stay tuned. Uh, Alfie Best has joined the studio and we will be talking to him after this short break here live on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I... I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Take us back in time and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? 
There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the show and to Alfie Best. He's been named the Gypsy Billionaire. His new documentary is currently trending on Amazon Prime, so go take a look. He's one of the largest operators of res residential static home parks. And uh, you're a self-made businessman. What's your secret, Alfie? Uh, just hard work and dedication, that's all. There's no, there's no magic dust to it. It's just as simple as that. Brilliant. And have you uh, suffered a lot for, of discrimination in the business world because uh, of your gypsy background? But coming from the, the traveling and the gypsy background comes with a stigma. Uh, you know, it comes with the, the stigma of liars, cheats and thieves. So the, the hurdle bar is higher for me, but I accept that. And uh, it's, you know, we don't let our negatives hold us down. We use that as the bar to be better than what we can be. That's brilliant. And not having any formal education, uh, has it been a disadvantage or as you've just said, has it been an advantage and you've been able to uh, use uh, more skills, uh, kind of working skills instead? Look, I think uh, as as humans, we, we adapt and you tend to then look at being a problem solver and being logical as opposed to being dem uh, 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 an academic where you're taught in a school and i actually believe that schools are not teaching people correctly i think we do need work experience and we seem to be letting the the work experience slip by with people in education so we're put into schools uh, 
and we're boxed yep. into a box of what we should do, how we should do it, and that's the only way to do it. And if you don't do it any other, if you don't do it that way, you're not going to succeed. Whereas I think anybody can achieve their goals. Yeah, it's about critical free thinking, and that's not encouraged in schools. And I know you're trying to help people in the cost of living crisis as well with affordable housing. Tell us more about that. Look, park home living, as far as I'm concerned, is the solution to affordable housing. There's no stamp duty. There's no land registry tax. Um, electricity is 28% cheaper. And poll tax or council tax, they change the name of it every 10 years, yeah. um, is band A. So for all of those positives, but the most, for me, the best positive at all is people being able to sell their bricks and mortar home free up the capital, escape the death duties, which is basically inheritance tax. And I think that's the worst tax that this country has ever levied on anybody. We work all of our life, pay our taxes, and then we end up having to give 40% of it away. I just think that's unfair. Yeah. Rick, have you got uh, something you wanted to add? Yeah, just uh, as we draw this day close, Alfie, somebody once said that the graveyard is full of people uh, that died with great ideas that they never brought to fruition. Everyone has a song in them, a book in them, a business idea in them that they don't take action on it. You've obviously acted. You've been proactive in your life. That's why you're in the position that you're in at the minute uh, and you're doing very, very well. There's no magic formula. Would you encourage people maybe to take a little bit more risk in their lives, not to just play it safe so much, not be reckless, but at the same time, you know, don't be afraid to dive in to something in the business don't be afraid to take a chance don't be afraid to try something new to just move yourself further on down the road don't be so apprehensive it's very very easy to be confined into a box and be scaremongered into a thought that this is going to happen or that my advice is take risks early in life take them when it's not going to affect you and your family i lost nearly everything when i was 20 I had a murmur, collapsed across the desk and virtually was bankrupt. But the beauty of it was then I didn't have a young family to look after. But I would say to anybody, take your chances because it's a long road to regret. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's a great Amen. That's a great way to end it on. Thank you ever so much, Alfie, for your time. And uh, don't forget to check out his documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, it'd be great if you could come back and uh, give us a, another chat again soon, Alfie. Uh, but we're going to take a break for the headlines next. And uh, John Porter is after them at TNT. TNT Radio News. News break. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. US President Joe Biden has been heckled by Palestinian activists demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. America's top defence chief remains bedridden in hospital a week after being admitted to intensive care. A US Navy sailor will spend the next two years in federal prison after confessing to selling military secrets to China. And Bangladesh's Prime Minister has become the country's longest serving leader after winning a fifth term in office in the weekend's general election. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
Welcome back. And don't forget, the uh, lines are open so you can call in at the end of the show. We've got John Porter, broadcaster and host of Chasing Descent. Make sure you go check that out on X. Uh, He's an ex-cop, but he now likes to give an opinion on everything. And we're here to give a story um, about uh, something that's been missed in the mainstream media, uh, a lot of it. Uh, John actually brought it to my attention. It hasn't had much coverage. Uh, This is about the UN, and it shut down its European headquarters in Geneva. It closed on December the 20th. It's going to reopen on January the 12th. They can't afford to keep it open. Uh, John, is this just a climate change agenda, or are they actually struggling to pay their bills? (coughs) Well, I, I think they might actually be struggling to pay their bills, Natalie. And it's good to see you again, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it, it, as you say, it closed on the 20th of December, and they cited that they would save money because apparently electricity has risen 300% in Geneva since uh, the last three years. So the, the cost of living crisis is affecting everyone. And let's face it, you can't shut an economy for two to three years and not affect people. So, but apart from that, there's 193 nations contribute to the UN and and they work it out how much you pay on a really weird uh, and very complex formula, depending on your population, depending on your GDP, you know, what you can afford, whatever. And um, and obviously some of those countries can't afford. And out of those 193, 52 of them haven't paid. They're not up to date. And one of the countries that isn't up to date is the United States of America? Good grief! Imagine that. <laughs> so as they as they say, they want to save money, and they I think they're doing it as a symbol to the countries that haven't paid. That you know, come on, guys, give us some dosh. We need to. We need. We need some dosh to keep this going. And they've been there since 1966, so it's not a new thing. It's not something that. Uh, it's not something that they've just sprung on people and they've never shot before. So we'll see yeah. We'll see what happens. I think it's a bit of a political play. Um, I'm no great fan of the United Nations as it currently exists. And, and I think it, it's gone from what was, you know, lofty aspirations and, and with the best of intent, but it's now become a talking shop that it really doesn't have any proper power. And, you know, we've seen all these issues with white helmets and blue helmets and things in, in certain countries, you know, and, and continents like Afri- like Africa, where they've they've overstepped their mark quite dramatically. But we're going off a, a little bit topic there. But um, yeah, I, th- I think they're I think they're playing games. I think that's what it is. It's politics, and they're playing games. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I wonder. You know, is it them trying to show uh, how uh, the global economy is struggling, 50 countries not paying. Uh, It sends a message, doesn't it? And uh, especially, like you said, the United States uh, not paying. Surely, surely they've got some money in their economy to to give to the UN, you you would think. (laughs) Well, you would think that, but let's face it, all the big Western countries are effectively bankrupt because we've we've been funding wars in places that we really don't need to be in. So let's be honest, you know, um, when when Argentina had a bash at the, as they call it, the Malvinas, and we sent our task force down to, to repatriate the Falkland Islands, we did, we kind of did what Russia are doing right now, because we took 
what the population of those islands said they wanted to be in, and that was in the UK, and we said, we'll go down and help you out. And we didn't ask anyone else to pay for it. We did it all on their own. But that was 40, that was 45 years ago, well, nearly 40 years ago, just over 40 years ago. And and the world has changed dramatically since then. So, yeah. You know, Russia, Russia does the same thing, and I'm not, I'm not a Putin apologist. I, I think Putin, if you, if you've ever watched me on, uh, on our show, you know what I think of Putin. I think he, he's doing a great job for the country, but as an individual, he's probably a horrible man. But you know, he comes across well. Uh, but most people do when they're in these positions. And and let's face it, I, I mean, if I could just touch on another brief point in the news that came on uh, you and I here we're we're here as personas aren't we we're acting because we don't want to pay tax just like Lorraine Kelly <laughs> and I think I think Putin, Putin and Biden and all that and Sunak they all do the same you know they're, they're portraying a character that they want to be seen as on the world stage so you know when Crimea and and Donetsk and whatever say well we want to be part of Russia Putin says okay and they, they move in and do their bit, and, and the world goes, oh, you can't do that. But the world was behind us when we took the Falklands. So things change in 40 years. You know, it's it's, it's a very, very volatile world we're in just now, and, and there's so much happening all over. You know, there's 122 conflicts currently ongoing in the world. I didn't realize. I didn't realize it. It was. It was that many. That was so much information, John. You're a, you're a oh, full information this morning. Yeah, it's, it's always have. <laughs> um, I wonder, Rick, if um, we're saying it could be a political play, but could it yeah. also uh, could it also be um, a sign of economic recession globally as well? It they genuinely these countries don't have the money to pay the UN, Rick. Well, well, well John, I, I think yeah. Sorry. We've been we've been talking as well. You know, we're talking about the UN here. We're talking about in, uh, the Palais de Nations yep. in Geneva will remain closed because of liquidity issues until uh, yep. July uh, January the twelfth. In the past, bankruptcy was always associated with individuals. You know, if you couldn't pay your bills, you had to go bankrupt, or maybe small mm -hmm. businesses would go bankrupt. Now we're talking about you know UN liquidity issues. Natalie and I've covered a lot of stories uh, over the last twelve months about local councils, Birmingham City Council bankrupt, Leicester Council going. Bankrupt bankrupt, entire nations going bankrupt. Uh, it's not just something for the guy on the street now. This is affecting these, these, this economic crisis is reaching out the entire city councils, the entire uh, mm -hmm. organizations. So uh, no one's really safe from this pinch that's going on at the minute, are they, economically? Uh, I think you're 100% right, you know, because like, I, only last night I found out uh, Stuart Milne Group in Scotland, one of the biggest builders in Scotland, has gone into administration. So that's that's massive because that's you know that's a lot of jobs. One of my friends works for them. He's, he's the head of their IT department. So I don't know exactly what's going on there, but you know they're obviously feeling the pinch as well. Um, and yet Hamza is still sending money abroad when he really has no remit to do because he is effectively a local mayor if you think about it. I mean Scotland's a part of the UK and his remit is to deal with domestic issues. It's not to do with foreign policy. And yet he's off spending money putting embassies in other countries. So he's spending money that we don't have as a country, you know, as Scotland, and, and we don't have as a, an, a nation in the UK. He's spending money that he shouldn't be spending. You know, I, I have to get a dig in at Hamza all the time because oh, if, if, you ever, <laughs> if you ever want to laugh, go and have a look at the channel and look up Hamza. <laughs>
That's chasing chasing the scent official on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's worth a look. I love, I love so what a menace. What a menace to Scotland, that guy is. A, a true oh. Scotsman, if ever there was one, eh? Yusuf Humza. <laughs> yeah. it, it was his... Um, what really got me and where, where it all started was the, um, the speech where he where he um he just went to town on the amount of white people that are in positions of power in Scotland. <laughs> and you would think in a country that's ninety six percent white, maybe yeah. that's gonna happen, you know? Yeah. It's like me going to Kenya and giving off to the Kenyan government that all the top officials are black, you know, they would probably uh, lock me up or buck me out of the country, but I'm just stating the obvious. Yep. And that yep. infamous speech of Holmes's uh, where he banged on about the the head of this department is white. Yep. The head of, uh, somebody, yeah, 96, 97% of the Scottish population is white. So just by virtue of numbers, the chances are that most of these positions will be filled by white people. But of course, what's he talking about? He's now the Scottish Prime Minister and, you know, he's not white. So, you know, he hasn't really got a leg to stand on, has he? I know, I know. He's the Scottish First Minister. Please don't mm, use the word sorry. prime. <laughs> he's, he's, he's prime something, but it's not prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. Thank you, John. Unfortunately, uh, our time has come to an end. We have to take a break. I'll get another plug in for you uh, for Chasing Descent. Uh, go and check that out. Um, we really appreciate your time. Um, and uh, we've, uh, we've got Blake Lovewell after the break here at today's News Talk. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor Service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor Service and help save lives in the bush. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Yes, we're beaming at you live from the Gold Coast in Australia, but of course we're global, uh, not least in Reading. I'm in Northern Ireland. Uh, Blake Lovewell is joining us right now from London in the UK. And if you don't know who Blake is, he is a writer and also a commentator. He specializes in geopolitics and finance, and he's also a regular contributor to 21st Century Wire, which is Patrick Henningsen's uh, little outfit, uh, independent media outfit, which is absolutely fantastic. So without any further ado, welcome to Open Line, Mr. Blake Lovewell. I hope life is treating you well today. What say ye? Hello, hello. Yes, thank you for that lovely uh, preamble, Rick, uh, and a pleasure to be with you both, Natalie and Rick. Uh, I love your show. It gives that uh, positive energy at the start of the day in the UK and at the end in Australia that we we love to have. And, you know, uh, you mentioned alternative media, and it's mm -hmm. so important having the alternative media more now than ever. Um, but I think sometimes people err on the side of uh, doom-mongering or fear-mongering. Mm -hmm. And so, I really love having a bit of that uh, positivity too, but um, we might talk about some economics today and, you know, that always goes uh, towards the negative end of the spectrum. <laughs> it, it does actually, uh, it, it, unknown to us, uh, the, the last guy that we had on, uh, John Porter, where we're talking a little bit about finance there, there was a story that we covered uh, to do with the UN headquarters in Geneva. They're having to shut them down because of liquidity issues and the price of electricity is too high. We were touching on some stories that were covered, Natalie and I, in the UK over the last year about city councils going bust. So I'm, I'm with you in that, Blake. We'll have to be yeah. positive and upbeat. But I think we'll have to be realists as well. This stuff is actually happening. It's not stuff that might happen. It's stuff that's actually happening. And people have to be asking the question, well, if it can happen to Geneva, uh, the UN headquarters, if it can happen to entire city councils like Birmingham, the the, the, the guy or the girl on the street like us, uh, we've got to be a little bit concerned about the financial outlook, don't we? Yeah, well, it's definitely something you've got to keep in mind. I mean, um, you know, in terms of future planning and stuff like that, uh, there are various things you can do to sort of hedge and, um, you know, try and become a bit more independent, not go fully off grid and, you know, live in a caravan in the middle of nowhere. Not necessarily, though that might be an ideal for some of us. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely worth bearing in mind and watching these headwinds. And yeah, it's so interesting there. You mentioned the story about the UN headquarters and uh, the price of electricity was too high. And uh, I hear stories of various office buildings. You know, everyone's working from home now. So there are floors of office buildings where they just turn off the heating, turn off the lights a few days a week to try and um, beat those energy costs. And that reminds me of what my grandparents would tell me about in World War II, you know, rolling blackouts and um, mm. that kind of stuff. You thought we might have moved beyond that point in the modern era, um, but it shows how um, civilization is a bit more of a fickle crust on the surface of a very chaotic uh, nature. And uh, we would do well to bear that in mind sometime. And um, yeah, you mentioned electricity that they can't afford the cost, but um I've got statistics here that show that um, the price of wholesale electricity has actually dropped uh, at the start of this year. Um, and furthermore, um, that price is not being handed on to the customers or consumers. So, um, you know, one of the oft-touted, but I would believe spurious lines that uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine caused this massive jump in energy prices. Well, 
it was even uh, last summer energy prices returned to the prices they were in 2019 um so you know you can't really keep uh, banging the blame russia button for that mm. um i would point more towards uh, middlemen pocketing the difference um mm. uh, on on energy prices and uh, the problem is that once they ratchet up it's a, a one way ratchet they don't go back down for the consumer if the wholesale price goes down uh, that's just looking good for the shareholders and and anybody who's making a profit there and they they can't let go of that profit so um when we're in these uh tight financial times everyone's seeking to make a profit as a middleman you know it's quite vampiric and it draws down from the system and it may not be the un you know we we may or may not agree with what the un do but it may be your local hospital or council buildings that can't afford the heating and light um and when that happens i think you're getting a degradation of society Natalie, do you not find that there's a, a lot of banditry going on here? Uh, Blake has just uh, mentioned about uh, wholesale electricity prices going down, but that's not passed on to the consumer, the like of you and I, or the like of Blake, or people that are listening in here this morning. It's the same with petrol prices. Uh, whenever the prices rocketed through the roof uh, two years ago, whenever the Russian special operation began in Ukraine, the petrol prices were up to nearly two pounds a litre for petrol and, and uh, diesel. Uh, then the the prices started to come down, but they didn't seem to come down at the pumps. There seems to be a lot of banditry going on among the uh, energy and fuel providers as well. Do you not think more could be done that to uh, address that at parliamentary level or as somebody uh, making a little uh, side hustle there, uh, pocketing the difference? Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to get Blake's view as well. I think the public aren't stupid and sometimes they're treated like they are. You know, you've got like institutions like the NHS who are struggling for money and then they're, you know, the health chiefs are still getting a pay rise every year. And the same uh, like with uh, BP and places like that, as you've already mentioned, they're still making mega profits where people, ordinary people are struggling just to pay their bills. It doesn't seem quite right, does it, Blake? No, and yeah, it's kind of um, an eternal problem, right? The rich get richer and the poor get poorer or the poorer yes. bear the brunt of it. And the same is true for uh, rampant inflation. Um, if you're able to hedge your assets into, uh, you know, move money into property or gold bullion or whatever it is, you're able to kind of uh, escape to some degree the inflation uh, problem. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck and particularly if you have uh, debt on your account, then you're going to be really feeling the burn this winter. And I think uh, for many, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough January. Um, Rick, you uh, highlighted petrol prices there, and I would I would point out that um, in the UK, more than half of the price of a litre of petrol at the pump um, is taxation, purely mm. taxation. And so when the price goes up, um, a percentage of that, uh, more than half of it is tax that goes to the government. And, you know, you could point the thing, uh, a large finger towards the government there taking a, a big slice on, on petrol, particularly, you know, we've seen in the last couple of days, Saudi Arabia dropping the price uh, of petrol by, uh, you know, flooding the market with uh, more pet uh, oil. Um, but then, you know, what you see at the pump is, is a very distorted number. So I would say that the market is very... Uh, um, confused with so many different middlemen um, that uh, you don't see a natural uh, price uh, finding aspect. Um, and then Natalie, yeah, you mentioned um, about um, energy prices and like um, Rick asked what we could do about them. Well, the kind of um, the, the go-to answer for people in the UK is Ofgem, which is the uh, energy's regulator. Um, they introduced something in uh, two years ago, uh, a price cap so um energy you know usage would be capped at a certain price and then the state would fund any excess of that so even if the price went up a lot you could still use your average amount and so there's kind of 
um, an aspect there where the government can step in, but that is very rarely used. And um, also what, what they're really doing there with that price cap is just allowing the energy companies to charge what they want and then subsidizing that with state money. And where does that come from? It comes from taxation and inflation and money printing, which harms the poorest again. So it's kind of a double bind there. Um, and Ofgem has been shown to be quite hobbled by the um, energy companies that it regulates, it's much more uh, in their control than it is uh, a tool of the people. Blake, one, one other uh, story that we'll have highlighted here, just to touch on briefly before uh, we, we come to the end here. Uh, manufacturers, this is an article that ran here uh, in The Guardian uh, from Monday. Uh, so it was just published here yesterday. Manufacturers say that the UK is becoming more competitive as a global hub. A survey finds Britain's largest manufacturers believe the UK is increasing its competitiveness despite high energy costs, worker shortages and political instability, holding back process now, progress. So we're told a lot of lies by the government about how well we're doing, about how inflation's really coming down and how employment's really going up and everything's getting better, better, better. And a lot of uh, humor we derive here at the moment is from the fact checks fact checks that are done on Rishi Sunak's uh, social media post to say, actually, this is a lie. So we've got an article here saying UK is more competitive as a manufacturing hub, but yet that's set against uh, what we touched on as well, the death of the high street. So many businesses are shuttering down now. So many big businesses, big scalps have been taken over the last two to three years. So what do, where do we go for a, an accurate guide as to how well we're doing financially? What's the best metric to look at rather than uh, government statistics and spin mm. that's put on by mainstream media articles like this one in The Guardian? Totally. Well, I'm glad you've done the takedown aspect of that article for me. Um, you know, it's it's very uh, spurious to, you know, um, pay a think tank to agree with you uh, and then present <laughs> that as news. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what's happened here. Um, one one thinks that um, if we're running up to an election in the UK, that uh, Rishi has had some hand in that, or at least his team. I don't think he's actually uh, pulling any strings. But um, yeah, in in an election period, the government want the economy to look strong, so they'll do whatever they can and they'll push out whatever headlines they can. And um, we know from the ground that uh, these these kind of tales uh, are very tall uh, and long nosed in the Pinocchio sense. Um, but yeah, looking at uh, what what you can look at for um, maybe some truth or veracity. Well, I would say using your eyes is a good start. You know, you see on the high street shops shuttering down, not opening up. I mean, there are, um, I would say for every five to 10 closing down, one opening. So there is a turnover, but it's not uh, in a growth sense. And then we look at the GDP statistics, which are also heavily manipulated, but GDP in the UK did drop. Um, last year in the in the last quarter so um it's not the most healthy outlook um, but there are shoots of growth um on the high street and then we could look at gold price, also heavily manipulated by paper gold, but gold has been making increases. And similarly, um, Bitcoin's price, which relies on a lot of different aspects, has been increasing. So people are looking at these different assets outside of the regular, um, you know, hustle and bustle of the economy as sort of safe havens. And when people are doing that, you can say maybe the health of the economy is not looking so well. Um, but I would definitely steer clear of using too many um, government based statistics, particularly in the run up to an election. Uh, use your mm. eyes uh, trust trust what you can see 
You know, it is, you know, finance is an incredibly complex area. You've got taxation, you've got corporation tax, you've got onshore, you've got offshore. But I think that little piece of advice that you just give, use your eyes. I'm a big believer in taking a walk, walk around your local town center, walk around your local shopping precincts, look at the footfall. Is the footfall high? Are people in spending? Are the shutters coming down? I think, uh, Blake, you hit the nail on the head there. Use your eyes if you want an yes. accurate gauge as to what's actually happening out there financially. And don't believe the hype of these uh, news articles that are sponsored, as you rightly say, by these uh, think tanks. Blake, I'd love to talk to you a little bit longer, but we've got to call time in this one as per right now. So a massive thanks uh, from Natalie Thank and you, I Blake. for taking the time out yet yeah, to join us this morning. Yeah, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. pleasure talking to you. And hopefully uh, we'll do this again sooner rather than later. That is Mr. Blake Lovewell, uh, UK uh, 21st Century Wire contributor and also thoroughly nice chap. So thank you for joining us, Blake. So uh, we're coming to the words the end of the show now. Of course, uh, this is an open line show, so you people are free to lift the phone and give us a call. Very fast at the minute, but we do like the leave time at the end. If anybody does want to lift up the phone and give us your thoughts and opinions, you've still got a few minutes to do that. Uh, don't be shy, or you can sit back and listen. The choice is entirely yours. So, Natalie, time does fly uh, when we're having fun, and I think we have had a little bit of a blast here this morning uh, on the open line show. But you know, we've still got five minutes to fill. Uh, we've still got stories to bring. There is no let up. No let up here on TNT uh, Today's News Talk. Uh, let's jump over to Bangladesh. Why don't we go to Bangladesh? Yes. We don't cover Bangladesh very much. What's happening over there? Yeah, well, I, we talk about corruption uh, a lot in politics, obviously in the UK and kind of Western states, but wow, it's pretty bad over in Bangladesh at the moment. Uh, so they've got a general election where basically only one party is running. Uh, so it's a foregone conclusion. That's to the level of corruption that they currently stand at. Um, yeah, um, his government has been uh, already faced allegations of authoritarian rigging elections, suppressing people's votes, targeting or opposition parties. Uh, you know, the, the opposition party uh, chose uh, to boycott the election. Uh, because they knew there wouldn't be a fair vote. And uh, then 11 of their members were killed uh, from doing so. So we do complain a lot about politics in this country, Rick. But in Bangladesh, it seems a whole lot worse. It, it just shows you anything can get a whole lot worse. Uh, things can get worse. Uh, I've yet to see, this is a pretty incredible uh, story that you've just brought to us there about one party running in the election. I think the only thing to trump that on uh, electoral fraud issues is in Zimbabwe when Robert Mugabe was still dictator there. Uh, when he was in his last election or the one before the last, because he was in power for decades, he had more votes than actual people that lived in the country. <laughs> so the population was about 50 million and there was 53 million people voted for Robert Mugabe. And who would not want to vote for Robert Mugabe? If you don't vote for him, you get a bullet in the head. It's quite simple as that. So yeah. a lot of people do exercise their power and hang on to power with an iron grip and none more so than African dictators. But interesting also, uh, Bangladesh, this year, not late, will be a huge year for elections. We're most likely going to get a UK election uh, in the UK that the smart money's on around about Easter time. That's why you're seeing a flurry of activity now from the Tories telling us how we're better off by 450 quid a year. They're cutting our tax. They're going to do this. They've sorted the small boats. They've got rid of the immigration backlog. All this bump coming up in the election. It's going to be a bit of a blitzkrieg this year, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, I've heard him so far say, oh, it's not going to be till late. It will be after the summer. But uh, we all know there's an election this year. They're not going to run it out till the January where they can. Uh, it's just when now, isn't it, Rick? We're already starting yeah. to see the the, the, the the run up to the election lies from every single party. I'm not believing anything anyone says at the moment. And Keir Starmer yesterday, uh, just as we draw this day close, he was in an interview yesterday and somebody's pulled him up on this. He said that he has, uh, was it? he said, talking about his children, I think he said he has two boys. He has two boys, but in his last interview that he did, he said he had a son and a daughter. So people are now asking the question, uh, has one of them, is he trying to get, uh, you know, uh, the, the woke vote by saying <laughs> that he has a transitioning child? Seriously, lying? people said, no, yeah, no, he said, uh, he either said he has two daughters oh. Or two sons today. Yesterday he said, I have two sons or two daughters. I can't remember which it was, but a few weeks ago he said he had a son and a daughter, and that was what was published. <laughs> Maybe on they've facts. just changed gender. They transitioned, That's Rick. It. Uh, just in time for daddy to get elected, possibly, <laughs> exactly. uh, old Keir Storm. Imagine that, using your bloody kids as a pawn uh, to get into number 10. Disgusting. How low can people sink? Allegedly, of course. In allegedly. lawyers are listening in. Allegedly. Natalie, time is up. The music is playing. I can hear the metal in the background, the four on the floor drum beat and that electric guitar. So that means it's time for you to depart. Uh, hopefully, we'll get talking again bright and early tomorrow morning. That's Natalie Chill. I'm Rick Munn. And I'll be back after the news with Locked and Loaded and not one, not two, not three guests, but also plus Gemma Cooper. It never stops here on TNT. Today's news talk, don't go away.